This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right. We'll open up the floor here. Anybody wants to chime in, by all means, feel free. Somebody asked, what's the fine line between being a mashpia in our home and not becoming our husband's mashkiah? If your spouse feels that you are trying to change them, you are fighting a very losing battle. If your spouse turns to you and says, can you help me with this thing? Then you have done an incredible job in your relationship to get to that point. I always say that the the, the most important words that a wife specifically should look for is for not for her husband to say the words, I love you, because men say it all the time without meaning it. But he should say the words, I couldn't wait to talk to you about this. I couldn't wait to see you. I had such a hard day. I couldn't wait to see you. Those words are words that mean that he wants to connect to you and you're doing your job to attract your husband towards you. So if a person wants to know, how do I know when my when I can correct my spouse? It's usually when your spouse asks you for your opinion in a, in a real way. It's when they say to you, like, can you help me with this? Oh, I have such a hard time getting up in the morning. Could you wake me up tomorrow? That's great. You're a great resource for him. When you get up in the morning, you go, oh, I got to get this guy out of bed. There's a problem here. You're you're fighting the tide. That's not going to end up in a very nice situation. So teaching your family and being a mashkiach in your family is a very delicate balance. It's where you understand that the person really wants it. They want your help. And it's it's received with love. They're like, thank you so much. Oh, I never could have gotten up this morning. Thank you so much for helping me. That's great. And there's a lot of chachma that goes into that also of, of, of making that happen. But I think that if you take a step back, it's first an attitude of I love you and I care for you and I'm not judging you. That has to be there. That attitude has to be there. That If that attitude is not there, it just doesn't work. I, I, I was sitting in a meeting once with a person who was telling me a whole bunch of things. And before they even started, like they said, no, I said, whoa, I, I need to stop you right here. I'm just telling you that the emotions that are radiating, radiating out from you are not intimate emotions. They're not emotions that I would want to sit close to you. I wouldn't want to be your friend right now. They're too heavy. They're too much. And I guarantee you all the people around you, they feel that there's, it's not, it's not, there's not a closeness. There's not a warmth. But am I, am I right? Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know, but I'm getting uncomfortable. And we're only here for an hour. Imagine being in, the, in, in, in this presence for longer than an hour. It's too heavy. It's too much. Changing your attitude to the, to the point where somebody wants to be close to you. They want your opinion. That's an avayda. That takes a long time to get to. And the reason why I think college teachers say don't marry your mashkiach is because if your mashkiach is, is the one who's breathing down your back, that's what they mean. Hopefully a mashkiach is, is somebody who's able to, you know what I'm saying, to build a warm relationship with a person. The person has an issue. The person that they turn to is a mashkiach. That's the goal. That's the goal. The goal is that the person is somebody that they want to turn to. So that's the, it's a fine line. And if you're on the wrong side of the line, you're going to scratch your head and say, I don't understand why this isn't working. So, yeah, comes down to, I think it comes down to that, Nakuda. Yeah, somebody asked, isn't it true that, isn't it sometimes true that a spouse or other family member has opposite traits than you? So how do you work on something more to influence the atmosphere if you already feel that you have a handle on that or treat? Say it again. Sorry. 
I need you to elaborate on the question. You're saying that in order to, if you want your spouse to change, or if you want your kid to do something, then you should do it. But what if you were to feel that you do it and your spouse or kids are not doing it? They're they're just not going along with whatever it is that you have going on in the house. Like, let's say you're very punctual, but your spouse is not very punctual. So what do you do about that? So, okay, it's a good question. I think that that not everything, okay, that's a great question. Not everything goes according to you. Okay, shocker. Okay, so (laughs) I think that, you know, a fundamental of marriage, which a lot of people miss, is just simply the idea that it's it's not all about you. It's not. Your way of doing things is not necessarily the right way. There are two people in this picture, and both people have to be taken into account. And I always like to, to say that when you have opposites, usually it's two pathways towards success. Being structured is really, it's a great, it's a great mila. Being unstructured is also a great mila, right? Somebody who's spontaneous, somebody who's not as 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 rigid in their thought and in their life. You have two pathways of life, right? And and by the way, we find this with mitzvahs also, right? That there's two pathways of doing things. There's there's the rigid side of things, there's the emotion side of things. They're both have, you know, they're complementary ways of of marrying each other. And when a person gets married and they think, but what do you mean? But I already do everything perfectly because that's the way that I do it. I think that that in itself is a recipe for for not working. A person has to recognize that the first, the prerequisite, and I think this class has to be viewed in, in the sense of the prerequisite. The prerequisite to marriage is the concept of we. We have a shayla. How do we go about this? We are one unit. The goal of everything is shalom. The goal of everything is that we're on the same team. We're on the same page. You know, I, I recently heard somebody say that they were given advice that as long as they're in the same book, it's okay. As long as they're in the same book, it's okay. Um, they don't have to be on the same chapter, page, or line. And I was like, what? You, you, have, to be, you have to be on the same letter. I mean, what are we talking about over here? You can't have two people living two different lives in a house. It's literally the opposite of what marriage is. And yes, there are certain things where he has his things going on and she has her things. He could be playing sports at night. He could have his parousas and she could have her social life. A hundred percent. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to live one life completely. But when it comes to mindsets, when it comes to chinuch, when it comes to money, when it comes to values, when it comes to what your house looks like, you 100% have to be two people that are very different from each other. And I guarantee you that no matter who you are, no matter who you're married to or going to get married to or get get married for the 50th time, you will be different than the person because two people are different. Every two people are different. And the difference between, and this is where I think a lot of people misunderstand they say, but I was happy with all my other relationships. Why am I fighting with my spouse all the time? Because all those other relationships were so surface level. As much as you had a DMC with your friend, it doesn't it doesn't scratch the surface of what marriage is. And that's where you start running into issues where people say, but I don't get it. Why are we always arguing? You're arguing because it's the most internal struggle. It's the most internal relationship. And therefore, it becomes the most internal struggle that people can have. So it's... The, the answer is, is that if a person says, well, I'm here, so then ask yourself, great. Now, how can you learn from your spouse? Yeah, you're so structured and therefore it's good for you. Okay, now how could I learn from my spouse? How could I learn what my spouse has as a myla? How can I learn that what my spouse brings to the table is not bad? It's actually good. If, if you try, again, it's, it's, so, it's so cliche, but it like has to be said. Like If you're trying to get a fish to fly and you're trying to get a bird to swim, it doesn't work. Every child has their own Sherish HaNeshama. 
and their shayish and shama makes them who they are. One kid has this kind of smarts and one kid has that kind of smarts. The kid who's an artist who you're trying to get him to do, you know, geometry, you're forcing somebody to do something that's just so not them. And how many people look at their spouse and they say, what do you mean? But my vision for you was this. I'm sorry to say, but why is your vision right? Just because that was your vision? And I'll take this one step further. And I hear this from people all the time. They say, what do you mean? But we discussed this when we were dating. So what you discussed it when you were dating? It's very nice you discussed it when you were dating. That, that's great. And hopefully things matched up to some degree. But the reality is that most of your life, most of your life, I would say 90 something percent of your life after you get married is, I don't want to use the word spontaneous, but it's something that you absolutely did not see coming a mile away. You have to make decisions based on things that you never knew you'd have to make decisions on. You get challenged in ways you never thought you'd be challenged. Life throws you curveball after curveball after curveball, and you have to pivot and you have to make those decisions together with your spouse. So when you walk in, you say, what do you mean? But this is what we discussed. Okay, fine. That is what you discussed. And to a certain degree, hopefully you're not too far apart from that. But when you have to make decisions that that change the narrative a little bit, it, it doesn't it doesn't always translate into this is what we discussed. I hear people say this all the time as if it's like a good taina. But we we said this. Okay, so what you said this. I hear people say all the time, I told my wife when we were dating that I'm 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 a um whatever, you know, I'm rough around the edges and I Okay, fine. So you said it, but now you're married. It doesn't work anymore. You have to change. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I said it. It doesn't matter that you said it. It, it doesn't potter you up. You're not just now forgiven for the rest of your life for everything bad that you do. So we're we're constantly works in, in, in process. I think that that's just how everybody is. And the people that just simply say, accept me, but I cannot accept you. That That's not very healthy. That's not very, that's not leading towards two people that are going to ultimately see themselves become one unit. So if a person says, well, I'm already there, that's great. Hopefully you can impact your family and they will see that value and they will go with that value. But perhaps your family has other things or other visions or other strengths and it would be wise to tap into those strengths and celebrate those strengths. A lot of people look at other people's kids and they say, well, only my kid was like that. Your kid is not like that because he's your kid. He's different. He has his own struggles and he has his own successes. He has his own strengths. And if you focus on somebody else's kid's strength and try to apply them to your kid, it just doesn't work. It's the essence of, of bringing out the best in somebody else. I must have said this a thousand times. Um, a certain certain Rebbe was telling me that his father was a master machanach. And he remembers there was a kid who would sit in the back of the class going like this all day. And he called this kid aside. He called the kid's parents one day from recess. And he said, you have to get your son a drumming lessons. He said, this kid became like a world-class drummer. He just saw this kid, his fingers were drumming on everything. He was just so natural. He saw something in this kid that most, what do you mean? Are you allowed to? He just saw it. He said, this is something that has to be brought out from this child. Every single person, every single person has within them so much, just writing them off and saying, but you're not like me. I think that's the antithesis of recognizing what marriage is. Marriage is two people who both have strengths. It's not one has a strength and one has a, a, a chasarin because it's not your strength or because it's not you or it conflicts with you a little bit. Yeah, figure out where your spouse has a strength. Spouse is working long hours. They're not spending time with you. Good. They're working long hours. That's for you. That's for your benefit. Even with an appreciation of your spouse, within almost every complaint of your spouse, there's something that you really could be appreciative for. Within all the things that we think like, if only, 
You don't realize that what it currently is, is actually, it's there. It's good. Just, just look at it in that light. So yeah, right, I'm off on a tangent. Go ahead. How can you get your spouse to feel comfortable enough to share things with you? It's not necessarily something that happens overnight. I think it's something which for some people, it's much easier. For some people, it's much harder. Um, I think the person has to feel that you're not judging them, that you're truly accepting them, that you are looking out for their best interest. And then like as the last resort, that you have something smart to say. But like that's probably 30 or 40 steps down the road. Everybody thinks they have they have all the eights like right away. That's why I think that this is lechamatzas leiseichal. That if you if you take the short version, if your whole version is something which is like I need instant gratification, it absolutely this whole thing doesn't work. It, it's it's an avaida. You know what we talk about the concept of dating somebody emotionally. Well, what does that mean? It means making the person feel comfortable enough to open up to you, to talk to you about things that are on their heart. I really struggled with this and I didn't know what to do. And you're like, wow, you're in tune. You're empathetic. You're really listening. So is this something that happens in two minutes? No, something that happens over time. And then hopefully over more and more time, a person really is able to open up more and more. But I can't tell you how many times, you know, people try and it backfires because they think that they, they have the answer, but they haven't done their own internal work. That the person says, oh my gosh, you're somebody I really would like to talk to. I used to talk with Rabbi Wallerstein about the concept that he was so busy. He was so busy. Um, and he, he once had somebody, um, he once had somebody following him. I think it was for a week, but it could be it was for a full month. And they were just following him and just taking notes about his life just to figure out like how he can deal with things more, I'll call it efficiently. But he had his own way of doing things. That was just how he was. Um, he would come into his office and he had a stack of emails and then he would just write something down and somebody would respond and his phone was ringing off the hook and the text messages, it was nonstop. I mean, everywhere that he went, people were running after him. He was trying to figure out how can I become more efficient? So I was once talking to him about it because I'm a little bit more, I'll call it rigid, structured, however you want to call it. And I was talking to him about this idea. And we used to, joke, I don't want to say I would joke with him, but he would say, oh, you're the accountant, you're the structured guy. He said, oh, this wouldn't work for you. And we would, you know, we would talk about this. And I remember, um, you know, yeah, we were talking about this. And yeah, every time I think about it, I'm like, yeah. So yeah, what was I talking about? Yeah, he said that he was talking to this person and the person was saying, you know, Rabbi Wallace, maybe you should have an organization. He has an organization. Maybe you should have organization within the counseling. People could come and they can talk to other people and they'll talk to other people, they'll talk to other people. So he told this person, he said, you know, I once looked into this and he had a different person who was shadowing him. And this person shadowed him for a very long time. And the person told him, he said, Rabbi Wallace, Nobody wants your organization. Nobody wants you. They want to talk to you because they know it's not the wisdom, not just the wisdom. It's the fact that you're listening, you're here, you have not just the experience, because a lot of people can have that experience, but I'm talking to somebody who actually looks at me like 
you're my sister, you're my daughter, you're my mother. You have that. And he said, the person told me, don't don't be that person that's just sitting in a back room somewhere building out this this massive organization. People want you and give them as much of you as you're able to get. And and I think that that's what it comes down to. A husband and a wife feeling that you're the one that I want to talk to. A child feeling, oh, I have an issue. I need to talk to you about something. And making yourself available, really being present besides being non-judgmental. And then all the way, all the way at the end, by the way, you're doing a great job. By the way, being supportive. By the way, having something smart to say. Having an answer, 100%. But the idea that somebody's automatically going to just open up to you about their whole life, usually something which takes time. But I would just say that for those of you who are either dating or engaged, um, you should start seeing that a little bit. Those elements have to be there to some degree. They're not going to be there all the way. They have to be there to some degree. To a degree where I could see opening up to this person. I can feel that this person's emotionally going to be there for me. Those elements have to be there to some degree. Not 100% because it's not going to get there for a long time. But to some degree. And if you're asking yourself, why is my spouse not opening up? Could be your spouse has a hard time with it. That's true. You could try to prompt those conversations. But more often than not, it's that the person doesn't feel that you're the person that they can talk to. And that ha- that's something that has to be developed on your side. And then Mamela, they'll follow through. Yeah. Okay. How does this all work where the husband with ADHD and medicated? I find that I need to micromanage a lot of what goes on at home and in my husband's life. Otherwise, nothing gets done or I have to do everything. I can tell my husband does not appreciate it. Hmm. <laughs> So this is a very case-specific thing. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have a specific answer because I think it it, it, it is very case-specific. Sometimes, I'll just say as follows, you know, sometimes when it comes to people who have, let's use the example of ADHD, um, again, this is a much more complicated question. So I'm, I'm not going to address this straight on. I'm gonna just going to say in general, the, the, the burden of somebody needing to take on more in, in the marriage than they would have necessarily thought they needed to initially. You know, I think most people think when we come into this, it's going to be 50-50 and you realize it's totally not. There's certain things which are mostly the wife or mostly the husband. I think that that's how most marriages end up happening, whether it's Parnassa, whether it's the children or whether it's whatever, right? I think that's just how most things work that way. Um, you know, a lot of people come into marriage where the man knows how to cook and he just shifts it over to the wife because it's just smart to do that. And she's the one who ends up cooking. You know, 99% of the time, why is it smart to do that? Uh, <laughs> okay, if it's not, then don't do that in your marriage. But <laughs> okay, for me, it was smart. <laughs> I'm stereotyping. I recognize that. But I'm just saying most of the time, most of the time, it's not 50-50. Fine, fine. Again, again, if that's what works, no problem. Fine. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, I think we could recognize that most things are not really 50-50. It's not like I'll make, you know, suppers every day and you'll, you'll make lunch every day. It, usually the burden of most things falls to one person. But I think that overall, if you want to view it overall, if you appreciate what your spouse does for you, even if it's not as grand as what you're doing, you realize that there really is a balance. Meaning if your husband is out working all day and he's not cooking and you're home and you're taking care of the kids, you are cooking and cleaning. So then there is a balance there. You're doing different stuff. Again, I know I'm stereotyping, but that's the reality is that most people, if you put in the effort and your spouse is putting in effort, you're working on two different parts of the relationship and you do find that there's a balance. 
in certain instances, you just find that that balance gets completely shifted. And that's when a person has to really seek guidance to realize that if, for example, let's let's use ADHD, for example, if your spouse is unable to take part in, whether it's chenach or whether it's taking care of the house or whatever the case is, however it applies in this specific marriage, you sometimes have to get specific guidance of at what point do I step in? At what point do I push back? At what point do I have to accept that my lot in life is going to be a little bit different than before? So I don't have a specific answer on this. I think that this is very, very, very case specific. And I, I think this person you know, would be wise to speak this out with somebody so that you don't fall into a situation where they're doing 90% of whatever it is and there's a lot of resentment all around for who took the reins on that part of the relationship. You look like you're having like a dialogue with somebody, but... <laughs> How can you get your husband to go to shul without him feeling like you're making him go? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. If he doesn't want to go. No, I'm being very serious over here. You know, if a husband doesn't want to go, it, it, it's going to sound funny to you. Of course, a husband should go to shul. Of course, kids should see their father going to shul. And all those sheets of you're going to ruin the kids and all of that, that, that becomes our arguments for trying to get your spouse to do something, which for them could be very challenging and it's it, but you sometimes i'm going to say something that's going to sound funny sometimes you have to you have to weigh the balance between between is this fight going to hurt my marriage and am i going to get more out of everything here that i think i'm standing up for even though i might hashkafically be right but i'm going to be causing a bigger rift in my relationship and therefore it's the wrong thing to do i remember i was once talking to a woman who was telling me a whole thing that she wanted her husband to learn more. So she was arguing and yelling and screaming about how he needs to learn more and their marriage was really struggling. But I said, it's very interesting because the exact thing that you're fighting for him to do, which is study Torah, I would argue the Torah doesn't want you screaming at your husband. So what you want him to study is telling you that exactly your behavior is what you shouldn't be doing. She said, but I'm right. I said, I don't think you're right. Yes, should he learn more? 100%. But the way you're going about this, I think is 100% wrong. Right, we sometimes lose 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 track of the idea that that marriage is marriage. Marriage is sacred. Your marriage has to be strong. More important than all the things that we stand up for is the fact that your marriage has to remain intact. This relationship has to come out stronger than it did before. So if it won't, then you have to be very careful if you should say anything at all. If you say anything at all, because if your marriage is going to struggle, then maybe you are not the right person for this job. Maybe you don't have the right skill to be able to bring this out of this person at this point for whatever reason it's not blaming you if for whatever reason it's not going then maybe don't say anything and then figure out if you can try a different path or a different path or a different path and if you're nervous about your children you'll get somebody to take your kids or you'll walk your kids every shop this morning you'll get up and you'll walk your kids to show that davening is real 100% you could daven at home that's 100% true there's a lot that you can do within the confines of this but your marriage is strong so there, there's no real answer. How do I change my spouse? Slow down. Slow down. That question is a very dangerous question. How do I change my spouse? Well, if it's not happening naturally, then you have to think about if whatever you think you're about to do is really worth the fight. Because most likely, your kids will be impacted more from your marriage than from any minion that your husband ever goes to. Guarantee you. Most likely, your kids will be impacted from any fight that you're going to have with your spouse more than any time that they went to shul. But a lot of times, the things that you're fighting for, for the sake of your children, is actually hurting your children. For the sake of the Torah, is actually against the Torah.
a lot of things that we think we're fighting for. And that's why I think this concept of becoming your husband's quote-unquote mashkiach is very delicate, not so simple. Yes, it would be great if you realized the responsibility, but that responsibility comes along with the understanding that you're going to be somebody that they're going to want to listen to. So, you know, along, what do they say? Along with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, I think that's the line. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So it's great power, but it's also great responsibility. But the responsibility, I think, is to look inwards rather than to looking outward. Yeah. One more. One second. Someone's saying, but if they see that their father won't go, then they won't go either. Maybe. Usually, I think kids do go because they have a good chanuk in their yeshiva, because their rabbim teach them that they should go, because their friends go, because there's a social life in, in shul. So most of the time, in my experience, when fathers don't go to shul, their kids actually do go to shul. Maybe not from the youngest age, but they go a little bit older. And if the mother steps in and walks the kids, especially like on Shabbos, the kids will go, they'll enjoy the kiddush, they'll enjoy their friends, they'll go and they'll be fine. But I'm, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i turn this question around to the person who, who texted over here, um, that you're right, maybe the kid will or won't go as much as they could or they should go to show 100%. But now let's fast forward in this kid's life when this kid is walking down the aisle. Who gives that kid those skills to be married? Who gives the, that kid that emotion to be in a healthy relationship? You do. As the mother and as the father, you give that kid those skills. When did I do this? Well, because the kid lived in your house for 20 years. That's where the child learns what it means to love your spouse, respect your spouse, respect their shortcomings, respect the things that you wanted to change, but you didn't force it. That's where your kid actually learns so many primary, primary emotions that you don't even realize that you gave your child. So don't think, oh my gosh, but my, my husband didn't go to school this week and my son saw that he slept in. Okay, that will not ruin your child as much as your child hearing screaming and yelling come at, coming out of your bedroom. I guarantee you, will not ruin your child as much. Guaranteed. Or your money back. There's no question. Kids learn from their parents how to, how, to, how to behave, how to listen, how to feel. These are things that you don't even realize that you teach your kid every single day. It's, it's, the things that you say is like 1%. So yes, will this kid not go to shul? Most likely they will go to shul, by the way. Most likely they'll be fine. But what they, what they won't realize is what happens when I, when I ha have a struggle. So I yell and scream? Like, what is your alternative here? Oh, you want to be the wife that gets her husband up nicely and calmly and says, ah, oh, let's all go to school as a family and let's walk. Then great, great. If you're able to make that happen, great, wonderful. If your husband says, could you help me get up? Then great, wonderful. But if for some reason it's not working and your alternative is a short blast at your husband to see if that works, then nine out of 10 times, it usually does not go. And why would you tell the, what would you tell the kids as to why their father is not going to school? Ask your husband maybe what he thinks your kids should be taught told but if anything maybe i would say to the kids i would say tati wasn't up to it or he's having a hard time with this or something along those lines not we don't go to shul that's not good right but tati's having a hard time with this but i think for you it would be great and wonderful entice the kid give them candy give them whatever in order to get them to go yeah again you're also a parent here do it with chachma and you can you can see your kids much succeed much more than you think and you shift the whole burden to this is a man's job or father's job and he's not doing it and he's ruining our children. Therefore, I have to kill everybody in the family. 
you don't realize that what you think you're standing up for, you're, you're destroying so much more. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.